This is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And this is Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. And you're listening to the official podcast of the first 2011 conference in Vienna, Austria. To find out more, please visit the site at www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. I'm here today talking to Patrick Ray, who is the Principal Security Strategist for Cisco Systems. How are you doing today, Patrick? I am doing well. Just happy to be here, Martin. Now, your talk was data security challenges in the all-too-public and not-so-private sector. And you're talking about a lot of things most of us in security know, which is if it's out there someplace on the Internet, somebody has access to it, whether you believe it or not. Absolutely. And that's the way it should be. Well, what do you mean? Explain that. What do you mean that's the way it should be? Well, we're security professionals. That, that's our job. We need to understand everything that's going on out there and, and what uh, is impacting our networks. On the other hand, you know, we have these things called users that we deal with every single day whose job it is not to know everything that's going on, but to do a specific function within our network. This is a lot of what we're doing is should be around educating users. I mean, why? And you, you just got through saying we should know this, but they shouldn't. So how do we change that? How do we educate them? That's the paradigm that we're dealing with every single day is finding that, that way to do this. Um, when I said we should understand it, we should because that's our job. Um, they need to understand it from the perspective of being a, a user within the network. Um, they are the last line of defense in anyone's network simply because they have a mouse in their hand and they're going to do that which they feel they should do. In other words, they're going to click on what they want to click on and nothing we say is going to change that desire. Not necessarily. Um, it's what we say and how we say it that will change that desire. Let me. Um, one of the ways to teach the people first and foremost is, is dissecting email with them is letting them understand um, what is good behavior and bad behavior, primarily with email, because that is a huge vector for us. Um, the awareness issue is, who is it from? What does it have on it? Is there an attachment? Do you know this person? And if no, 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 then you don't need to click on it. Um, but it's to me, well, you don't know who it's from. Would you open your door to everybody who walked up to it and knocked on your door? The answer to that is no. Well, that should be the same answer when we're dealing with email. Only open those things from people that you know. And it's teaching them that. You're going to make it through the day if you don't open that email from uh, Igor and, and Bratislava. Well, I would say even uh, clicking on emails from people we know is dangerous sometimes, and I think that's been proven again and again. Absolutely, and, and again, um, teaching them how to, uh, to scan a document prior to opening, little things like that. It's, just, you know, it's rudimentary to us, but to them, it's, it's not secondhand. It's, oh, that's new. How do I do that? Now, when you asked at one point in your presentation, how many of you don't have a Twitter account, a YouTube account, a Facebook account? We actually had nearly a dozen people out of an audience of 100 that raised their hand. That surprised me. Did it surprise you at all? It, it floored me. Um, these are people in the infor information technology community that will learn 
uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, um, we can learn lots of things. Like First is, is out there every single day uh, putting new stuff out there. There are bloggers like yourself that like to get out and, and, and ruminate about things that are going on. It's a great educational experience. And to shut that tap off, is, it, it amazes me. And, and I think it's just because um, they haven't experienced it. Once you experience social media, um, it, it's hard to let go. It truly is. But how do you how do you balance that dichotomy between on one hand, if you put it out there, it's out there forever. On the other hand, if you get if you don't get involved with the community, you're going to miss out on so many opportunities. That's a that's a kind of a tough balancing act. It is a tough tough balancing act. There are people that become um, just consumed by it, and and you see them. They're just posting all day long. They're tweeting all day long about uh, and things become yeah well, we become inane. Uh, after a while, um, I follow a lot of different people on Twitter, and most of it is is very good stuff, and it's stuff that I appreciate and and enjoy reading. Um, but there has to be like you know your life uh, experiences. There has to be a balance. Now you had a uh, interesting anecdotal story about a hospital. Would you mind sharing that with the audience? Sure. We had a. Uh, I was going to visit a hospital system to speak with the chief in, uh, information security officer and his staff. And two days before I arrived, they undercame a, uh, a huge virus outbreak. They identified the virus. It was a well-known virus. Um, and they spent, uh, they were off of the internet for 11 hours, where they're uh, the hospital system, to include OR and ER. And uh, when we arrived two days afterwards, they were finally back up and running and everything was going well. Uh, they managed to re-image all of the PCs they needed to re-image and take care of all of that work. Um, and I asked the, the CISO, um, what else happened during this virus outbreak? And he said, well, nothing. It was just a virus outbreak. And I asked him, have you uh, contacted law enforcement? He says, no, it wasn't a breach. It was a virus outbreak. And I said, well, so nothing else happened other than the virus outbreak. He says, yeah, that was it. And I said, well, have you notified um, uh, local media? And we generally like to do that, uh, perhaps post-breach. Uh, so everybody knows what's going on. He says, oh, no, 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 I, we didn't notify the media. Um, we don't want anything bad said about the hospital. And I said, well, I, can I assume that out of all the hospital employees here, someone had a, a social media site that uh, they might not have uh, tweeted or, or put on their Facebook account that the, uh, the uh, network was down for 11 hours at the hospital? And he said, basically, he hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. I said, Okay. Um, and, and so we're starting to discuss this a little bit more, and his phone rang. And he answered it, and then he began speaking. And then he turned absolutely white as a sheet. And I really thought he was going to throw up on the table. And I said, are you okay? When he hung up the phone, he said, that was my credit card company. They, they told me that uh, someone is using my credit card in Manhattan to purchase high-end electronics. And I said, just a virus outbreak? And he said, you'll have to excuse us. And he and his team left. I just found out subsequently from our uh, security specialist in that area of the country that the CISO uh, was asked to leave the job because there was a breach uh, of the system, uh, the hospital network, during that virus outbreak. So the bad guys use the virus outbreak to obfuscate their true intentions. And I, I have to imagine that that is not an exception. That's not a one-time story. That really is what's happening again and again, and people just aren't realizing it. I, I would assume so. Um, with the, the virus outbreaks, um, renewed denial-of-service attacks, something to take our eye off the ball. And while we're looking at this one 
peculiarity is when they're going to try to come in and do something nefarious on the other side of our network, if you will. So what are some of the concrete steps you think that we as security professionals, that the incident response professionals should be taking away from your talk? What should we be doing? Educating. Absolutely. We're going on site. Um, I did this with the FBI on the CART team, computer assistance response team, is to educate the people, not just the IT people, but make sure that the word gets out to the user community about what happened, how it happened, and how we can protect, uh, perhaps protect ourselves against that occurrence. And it's the basic fundamentals of computing for our users. Um, you know, not clicking on all these hyperlinks, going to sites that you only know well, stay in the middle of a page, don't be clicking on all these little things on the sidebars. Uh, that's where you're getting into trouble, as uh, you know, the little flash that pops up and things like that. Just basic computing skills. Well, Patrick, you've got sort of an interesting background. How does somebody going from being a police officer to an FBI agent and end up at Cisco as the, the one of the chief security guys? Well, I had been uh, working drugs as a police officer and as an FBI agent, and I was uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, sitting on my back deck uh, in 1996, talking to my younger brother. And my younger brother was working on Wall Street, and he asked me, he said, Patrick, what are you going to do when you retire? And I said, well, that's not for a number of years away. He says, okay, same question still stands. What are you going to do when you retire? Is there a big call for drug investigators out there? And I said, probably not. And he said, well, what else is going on in the office? And we started talking about a couple of things. And I said that the, there was a couple of guys that were starting computer crime investigations. And he said, do it. He said, you worked at the National Security Agency. Go ahead and go into the office Monday morning, tell the special agent in charge you want to go work computer crime investigations. And I did. And it's the smartest move I made in my life because I met the most incredible people in the information technology business today. And it's a lot more fun dealing with the IT executives than it is with dope dealers. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine how much fun that really is. So no kicking in doors, just knocking on them now. Well, Patrick Ray, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day and, and have a great uh, time here at First 2011. Thank you very much, Martin. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to this interview on the official First Podcast. You've been listening to Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And Christian Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. You can find out more about the FIRST conference and this podcast at www.first.org. Thank you very much for listening. See you in Vienna. Vienna.